Yo, what up, Clutch Society Family, CSF Bravo, bringing you guys episode, what episode is this, 27, I think, of the Cloudycast, let me see here, oh yes, episode 27 of the Cloudycast, overall, we're at like episode, I don't know, 70-something, 80, um, but so far, um, this new format I've been doing on the Cloudycast, I feel it's been, been getting some good feedback, um, so that's good. So today, and of course, I'm still working on, on making the shit a little, little longer. Still working on that, but like I always say, we'll just keep going and and getting better as we do this shit. But uh, for for today's episode, episode 27, I got two articles. Again, we got a Leafly article, and then we got a 1:37 p.m. article. Uh, so we'll get right into those. The first article that I'm going to go over... Oh, before I get into all that shit. So, um, the website. I know uh, that I haven't been putting much content up on the blog part of it. But um, I'm, I'm figuring out, as, like I said, as we go along and we keep adding more shit, I'm figuring out how to how to get more posts on there. I'm going to I wanna start with at least one a week, you know what I mean? But I definitely want to get at least three to four up there a week. Um... I'm just, I got a lot of fucking shit I'm doing, so, uh, we'll, I'll at least get one up a week for now, at least one, and then I'll get more up as I go, but yeah, so I know that I haven't been putting much of, uh, content on there, no shit really, so, I'll get back on that, in the meantime, I'm pretty sure there's fucking some articles you haven't read on there, um, but yeah, so, we'll get right into it, episode 27 of the Cloudy Cast, the, um, first one that I'm going to go over. So if you guys remember in episode 23 of the Cloudycast, I did that one article on Leafly that was titled Indica versus Sativa part one. So we're going to go ahead and do part two for this one. And then we'll get into the 137 article. So first article is going to be Uh, part two, indica versus sativa strains, which has more THC and CBD. So raise your hand if you heard someone say indica strains produce more CBD and sativas have more THC. Or maybe you've heard that claim in reverse, but which is true. According to cannabis lab testing data, neither is. At least not in any significant way that could explain the perceived difference between the, these two cannabis types. In other words, that indica isn't sleepy because it has more CBD and that sativa isn't more energizing because it produces more THC. But before we get too deep into the numbers, it's important to first flip a popular notion on its head. Indica and sativa designation isn't a reliable predictor of effects. It's possible you've noticed that indica and sativa strains look a bit different. Uh, one forms chunky, dense uh, buds while the other often goes into airy fluffy spears the physical difference between indica and sativa plants allowed each to thrive in different climates from rugged and cold highlands to tropical regions along the equator and then they have this cool little thing uh, so sativas are tall in stature narrow leaves longer flowering cycles better uh, suited for warm climates with a long season Indica, short in stature, broad leaves, shorter flowering cycles, suitable for colder climates with shorter seasons. So if you guys want that cool little infographic 
I'll even fucking share it on the Instagram page. You can check it out there. And then, um, as always, I can send you the link to this article. So, cool. But what does that have to do with how indigos and sativas affect you? Nothing. Exactly. Ethan Rousseau, prominent cannabis researcher and neurologist, put it in this put it this way. The way that sativa and indica labels are utilized in commerce is nonsense. The clinical effects of the cannabis camovar have nothing to do with uh, with whether the plant is tall and sparse versus short and bushy, or whether the leaflets are narrow or broad. So I'll say that again. He said the clinical effects of the cannabis camovar have nothing to do with whether the plant is tall and sparse or short and bushy, whether the leaflets are narrow or broad. One way we know that uh, this perceived correlation between plant type and effect is flawed is by looking at the chemical profiles. The compounds cannabis produces uh, that contribute to the mood or experience of the strain. See here, so the compounds cannabis produces that contribute to the mood experience of the strain. Here we'll take a look at the average cannabinoid content of each strain type. Terpenes also play an important role in strain effects, but don't worry, we'll get to that in the next installment. So CBD versus THC in indicas and sativas. Using data from Confidence Analytics, a state-certified lab testing, a state-certified testing lab in Washington, we were able to see how much THC or CBD is produced on average by each strain type. First, let's look at the average abundance of THC and strain type samples grouped by their sativa, indica, and hybrid designation on leafly for THC dominant samples only. So indica, sativa, we're both at 17%, um, and then hybrids at 18%. I mean, they're really fucking close. So indica 17.3, sativa 17.7, and then hybrid was 18.2. As shown in the graphic above, the THC dominant sativa strains on average produce 0.4 percent more THC than their indica counterparts so yes you could look at the graph and say that sativas produce more THC but the difference is fairly uh, negligible in terms of statistical significance uh, what the graphic does contradict is any claim that THC abundance accounts for the perceived opposite effects of indicas and sativas if that were true we'd expect hybrids which are typically seen as balance of indica sativa would fall somewhere in between around 17.5 percent now let's see if there are any notable differences in CBD abundance for the CBD containing strains. So indica has 7.5, sativa has 7.1, and hybrid has 7.8%. So once again, the graph shows small differences in the average amount of CBD among the three plant types, but not so much that we'd expect to see uh, polar opposite experiences delivered. Indicas on average produce 0.4% more THC than sativas. Again, hybrid strains produce slightly more. While the bird's eye view we get with larger sample sizes is helpful in seeing the big picture, you don't need huge amounts of data to realize that THC and CBD profiles are specific to plant types. Per, uh, per use the lab-tested flower on dispensary menus and you'll see that THC and CBD contents can vary widely no matter its sativa or indica designation. Excuse me. How to shop for cannabis without saying indica or sativa. What's important to you as a consumer shopping for a specific mood is not the shape of the bud or the climate it was grown in. Instead, it has everything to do with potency, dose, chemical profile, i.e. cannabinoids and terpenes. For example, if you're prone to anxiety and looking to avoid an uncomfortable racy experience, look for a strain with more CBD and less THC, then dose modestly. 
If you tell a bartender you hate sativas because they make your thoughts race, they may still hand you a TT powerhouse like Wi-Fi OG simply because it's not a sativa. Although it isn't as simple as growing as grouping strains into the indica sativa hybrid uh, triumvirate that has long been our compass while navigating menus, try using potency to guide you. You may find that a strain packing 25% THC isn't as enjoyable as the very fragrant strain tapping in at 16% or the balanced THC CBD variety that provides 10% of each cannabinoid. Shopping by strain name is also a more reliable way of achieving desirable effects. For example, if you love the dreamy, blissful euphoria of Granddaddy Perp, you'll likely have a comparable experience with the next GDP you come across. Cannabis is, pers- is a personal experience, and how you select it is, uh, and how you select it is too. Uh, the data is meant to give you an alternative perspective on what qualities one should look for in strain. For many consumers, this level of precision and strain selection is paramount to having a good experience. Others, well, we'd be happy to sit down with the strain of any variety, anytime. So uh, there you go. Overall, I mean, according to the, these uh, statistics, fuck, they're all like really fucking close. Um, maybe on some of the shit that I, I look at, because I feel that indicas have definitely been my my preferred um, type of plant to go with because I feel more of a body high. Um, maybe it's the CBD content, like I said in this article. Maybe I should look more into that as far as the shit that I've been um, uh, vaping on and shit. But, I mean, per these studies, I mean, they're all fucking right there close within a percent off of each other. It's nothing crazy, so it makes sense what they're saying. Um, but me personally, personally, uh, I've been I've been really digging the Indicas. That's just me. But, um, yeah, overall, it's a good read, guys. I mean, there's good information on there. If you guys haven't heard EP23, I went over part one on that one. If you guys want the link to this article, as always, uh, hit me up anywhere on social at the ASAP Bravo, and then I'll go ahead and post that infographic on the Instagram. Uh, So let's get right into uh, the second fucking article. So the second article that we're going to go into is uh, the one from 1.37 p.m., uh, this one is titled Five Business Lessons Anyone Can Learn from CNBC's The Prophet, uh, Marcus Limonis. So if you guys haven't seen uh, The Prophet, it's a great fucking show. I love that show. Um, but this guy is just a fucking a super smart, savvy businessman. And pretty much most of the time he goes in there and uh, he'll take a business that, that has huge potential. They just don't have really shit in order or don't know what the fuck they're doing. or You know what I mean? Just... Just something's not fucking clicking for them. So he'll go in there, give them a fucking offer, take over, help them boom, and all that good stuff. So if you haven't seen The Profit, it's fucking worth checking out CNBC. So uh, let's see the, the five key takeaways that he has for everybody. So if you want to learn how to succeed in a business, watching CNBC's The Profit is a great place to start. I just said it was a great fucking show. Um, the reality series stars self-made millionaire Marcus Limonis who knows a thing or two about running a successful business as chairman and CEO of multi-billion dollar company uh, Camping World. Limonis travels the country in search of struggling businesses that can turn around with cash, that he could turn around with cash, expertise, and partnership. The show is packed with tough love, but also practical advice for entrepreneurs and owners looking to better manage their businesses. So here are five lessons from The Profit that will bring purpose and perspective to your daily grind. So anyone that's 
has a business, runs some sort of, you know what I mean, small pop shop, any kind of business really. Um, definitely five keys that I would take away from this article. So let's get right fucking into it. And if you haven't watched The Profit, I definitely recommend watching that. I recommend watching Shark Tank. Shark Tank's a fucking dope, uh, really dope show too. I'm pretty sure you've seen that one where there's four or five of these investors. And then people go up there, pitch their ideas, and then they start negotiating shit. So, so that's another show to watch. If you guys want any other suggestions, just hit me up. So the first step, uh, step number one, it's all about people, process, and product. The first step to owning or investing in a successful business are the oft-repeated three Ps, people, process, and product. According to Lamonis, people are the cornerstone of this formula. Very true. You should have the right people working for you in the right roles, and you should be motivating and managing them the right way. Often, when giving business advice, Lemonis reminds his audience that the employee is number one. Give your employees a positive working environment that plays to their strengths, and your company is well on its way to success. I feel like a lot of newer businesses don't understand this, because, I mean, I've been talking to businesses for a long-ass time, um, and... For the most part, a lot of them know know that the employee is number one, you know what I mean? But there's some that just, they just don't know what they're doing. So, when it comes to operations, find ways to create a more efficient and streamlined process. Cutting costs and upgrading systems used to create the product could increase sales and profitability. This will ultimately improve outcomes for your business. Finally, make sure you have a valuable product that stands out. If you're an entrepreneur thinking of entering a saturated market, your product has to be unique since it will be a commodity. If your market isn't saturated, ask yourself, is there a reason why nobody else is, is in this? It might mean there isn't a market there. So, um, employees number one, process, you know what I mean? Cutting costs, making shit more uh, efficient and streamlined, and then product. So number two, know your numbers. One of the first things that Monas goes over when uh, over with business owners are finances. That is definitely true. He always goes over that shit which they usually have the, the least knowledge of. In uh, one episode, Lemonis found that uh, by lowering food costs by at least 3% and allowing customers to pay with a credit card, a South Carolina barbecue restaurant could seriously grow profitability. So those little things, it's huge. And if you're a business that doesn't know your numbers, that is not really good. So for Lemonis, knowing basic accounting is crucial to having successful business, even saying, uh, to not have a solid understanding of how much you make and how much you sell is a crime. Rather than making decisions based on your gut, you should be making decisions based on your numbers. I mean, sometimes you got to go with gut, though. Just saying. So, but you definitely want to know the numbers. In order to run a successful business, Lamona says that you need to know three things inside and out. Your annual sales revenue, gross profit margin, and expenses as a percentage of your gross profit. So what percentage of your gross profit are you fucking spitting out for shit? And where is it going? Before investing in a business, Lemonis will go um, over each of these numbers with owners to understand its health and potential. Number three, put your ego aside. Self-interest and pride won't move your business forward. True. A lesson that some business owners learn the hard way on the profit. Um, it's a lesson that some of the business owners learn. Business owners learned the hard one, the profit. In the 2015 episode, the founder of a Chicago seafood restaurant, uh, De Lobster, refused to relinquish uh, control of half 
of his company to Lamonis, who offered $210,000 to relieve his debt. Lamonis said the decision to reject the deal revealed where pride turns to ego. Those willing to accept help and critical feedback increase their chances uh, for success, while those who retreat to their usual uh, modus operandi miss an opportunity for self-growth. As the monist often comments during the show, no one is above the business. Yes, I, I've seen it happen a few times on the, epi- on, on the shows, on different episodes where, I mean, when you think about it, he was gonna get the dude out of debt, you know what I mean? He's gonna write him a $210,000 check. Yes, he's giving up half of his business, but 50% of some kind of money is better than 100% of nothing. So that's definitely huge. Uh, number four, constantly reinvent yourself. You always got to do this. Shit is always fucking changing. There's always someone out there fucking thinking and working on some shit. So you always got to be reinventing yourself. So even if your product is selling today, you don't want to find out that it's obsolete tomorrow. That means studying the competition and always staying one step ahead on pricing, packaging, and target audience. It also means being honest about your strengths and weaknesses and being open to trying new things. As the monist puts it, every single company in this country today, if they're not evolving, they're dying. How can you make your process and product more sustainable? How can you become a better listener? Listeners, huge. Two ears, one mouth for a reason. So for example, the founder of the fly fishing company, Smithfly, often became defensive when receiving feedback on his products. When Lamonis commented that a jacket fit a little too big, the owner pushed back. When potential buyers called his uh, water boat a tough sell, the owner said uh, Henry Ford received a similar criticism when he created his first automobile. Um, The owner had uh, to learn to accept new ideas and change his way of thinking. In order to grow his business, yeah, man, you can't be fucking stuck in here. You got to be willing to open and listen. And I mean, if it, even if it isn't something that, you know what I mean, that is goes with your, aligns with your fucking whole ideas, morale, all that shit, like, at least fucking listen to it and then make a judgment fucking idea from there. Don't just blow it off. So number five, listen to your people. Whether it's from your staff or your business partner, it's crucial to heed the advice and opinions of those you work with. If you have the first P down, uh, it's likely that you've surrounded yourself with very smart, like-minded people who want to see your company succeed as much as you do. Uh, they compensate for your weaknesses and help cover your blind spots so your business is constantly improving. Lemonis often tells aspiring entrepreneurs to work for someone else before starting their own business. I've, I hear that a lot by a lot of these, you know what I mean, successful business people, entrepreneurs. Go work for someone that knows what the fuck they're doing and learn that shit for free. You know what I mean? Makes sense. Um, not only will you learn firsthand about the industry you want to enter, but you also learn what it's like to be fired or mismanaged. When you're on the other side, you're more likely to listen to those you manage, thus becoming a better leader. So, um, five keys, five keys. Uh, it's all about people, process, product, know your numbers, put your ego aside, constantly reinvent yourself, and listen to your people. So, that's the other article. If you guys want to link to that one, as always, hit me up on uh, social at the ASAP Bravo. Hope y'all enjoyed this uh, motherfucking episode of the Cloudercast. It was number 27. Uh, Till next time, guys. Peace.